Welcome to Weekly Wisdom. Today begins a series on teachers of forgiveness. Today's teacher is Jesus. Then Peter came up and said to him, My Lord, if my brother is at fault with me, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seventy-seven. Jesus goes on to tell a parable about a Lord who chooses to forgive a man who pleads for forgiveness. The man's debt is forgiven until one day he does not grant forgiveness to someone in the same way he pleaded for it. When the Lord hears about this, he takes back his forgiveness. For Jesus, forgiveness is not so much an act of letting go of someone's crimes. It's not about what someone owes you or about what someone did to you or what someone did to another. Forgiveness is about living in unity with God. And the way to live in unity with God, for Jesus, is to love like God does. Jesus teaches that God loves all of us. It's important to note what a revolutionary teaching this was at the time and still is today. God loves all unconditionally. When we repent, we are not persuading God to love us, but uniting ourselves with a love that is always readily available to us. To practice forgiveness is to practice that same love God has for us and love our human brothers and sisters the same way. What a challenge. This practice of forgiveness, which is based in the revolutionary spiritual belief that God is love. This, to me, is Jesus' greatest teaching. Forgiveness, for the most part before that in any spiritual tradition, was more an aspect of moral law. It was something you should do to be a good person. If a debt hadn't been paid over ten years, forgive it. Perhaps Peter, asking if he should forgive up to seven times, was speaking to a practice of giving people chances. Perhaps Jesus' point was to say that forgiveness should have no limit. Jesus' teaching of forgiveness, we might say, has three steps. The first is about turning to God. This is a kind of self-forgiveness. We realize God's grace when even we don't believe ourselves worthy of such love. We get to find out it is there for us anyways, no matter what. Second, we experience a healing or a change in our current circumstances. A healing might occur. A situation may shift in a way that benefits us. Or we experience such a shift in our own self that we transcend and are no longer slave to a negative situation or relationship. This is a kind of forgiveness of life. For it's about moving on from what was, even if it may appear that it is still is. It's no longer being possessed by a past event and living from and for that, but about being rejuvenated by a powerful spirit in the present moment. The second part of forgiveness is living in that love of God you have done your best to receive. It changes your heart and thus changes your life. Third, we practice God's love for us, for all. Jesus presents this teaching in a radical way. You have heard it that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you should not resist evil. But whoever strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wishes to sue you at the court and take away your shirt, let him have your robe also. Whoever compels you to carry a burden for a mile, go with him too. Whoever asks from you, give him. And whoever wishes to borrow from you, do not refuse him. You have heard it said, be kind to your friend and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless anyone who curses you. Do good to anyone who hates you. And pray for those who carry you away by force and persecute you, so that you may become sons of your Father who is in heaven, who causes his sun to shine upon the good and the bad, and who pours down his rain upon the just and the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? And if you salute only your brothers, what is it more that you do? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? Therefore become perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
First, I apologize to any tax collectors out there. But two, Jesus' message here is incredible in its span and its demand. This stuff is hard. And I honestly don't know if he means it literally or metaphorically. I love how I once heard a British general described. He's a strong Christian, but I would never expect him to turn the other cheek. The bigger point here is to realize the incredible nature of God's love and to do our best to practice it towards others. I don't think Jesus meant it to say, do this, or the loving God will punish you. This would defeat his very premise. Just forgive the best you can. Just love the best you can. And as you do it, you will realize that that love is the most powerful, creative, and meaningful thing in the world. I think this third aspect of forgiveness is perhaps the biggest key people miss in life. That the love of the Holy Spirit is something to be practiced towards all the best you can. If you don't use that love, you wind up missing it. The idea is expressed in one of Jesus' parables. A Lord is off to travel and gives money to all of his servants, each according to his ability. I invite you to join me in the possibility that the Lord in this parable represents God, and the money that is dished out represents an awareness of love that each must receive by his ability to accept it. Those who were most able and received the most spent their money and multiplied it. He who received the least buried his money and tried to save it. When the Lord returns, those who received much share how they multiplied it, and the Lord gives them even more. When the one who did not share his wealth with others shares that he did nothing with it, the Lord takes it away and gives it to someone else. To me, the idea here isn't that God punishes the man, but by his own actions, the man has removed himself from the wellspring of God's love. Jesus says, For to him who has it shall be given, and it shall increase to him. But he who has not, even that which he has, shall be taken away from him. Jesus' teachings for me reveal some myths about forgiveness that I think keep us from living healthy spiritual lives. Myth 1. Forgiveness is something you do only once in a while. Yes, this is a reason to forgive, but forgiveness at its purest is an everyday practice. Forgive every day. Myth 2. Forgiveness only needs to occur when someone wrongs you. I would argue, yes, that when wrong, it's a reminder to forgive, but the truth is that your forgiveness need have to do with nothing or no one in particular. All you need is to practice it. Myth 3. Forgiveness is something that we do alone. Forgiveness, by its very meaning to me, is something that we do with God. Like with an answered prayer, most of us would not say, Look at what I did. Aren't I wonderful? No, we would thank God for the blessing. The same is true of forgiveness. We do the practicing, but the healing, the grace, the love, that is the work of a higher power and presence in our life. At any time today, if you so choose, I invite you. Turn within to your awareness of a holy presence. Open your heart to receive its love for you, its knowing of you, its rejoicing in who you are. Feeling this love, look back at your life. How is it different to you? How are you different? Now take this love and practice it towards everyone without preference, without discrimination, without attachment that are returned to you from anyone. If you can do these three things, you are to me being a true practitioner of Jesus' message. Good luck. You may need to repeat regularly, but that to me is the joy. There is actually joy in the failure because you get the realization that God's truest grace is getting to begin again.